Hi, this is David Yaz at the Boston Podcast Network, hoping you are staying safe and healthy during this period of precaution over the coronavirus. It's difficult to connect with your clients and contacts in a period such as this, but here we continue to produce podcasts that allow you to connect with the people that you want to reach. You've got a rapt audience like never before. People are home, they're listening, and they're waiting to hear from you. We can create a professional podcast with a quick turnaround and do the whole thing remotely so you don't have to leave your home. Get in touch with us at pod617.com. Welcome, everybody, to uh, Big Avota World Podcast. Today is March 23rd, 2020, and uh, I'm not in the studio. I'm with uh, our producer, Dave Yaz, Ronnie Gutton, our director, and Ben Stigberg, Stigberg who's here. <clears throat> We're uh, virtually online via Zoom call. How is everybody doing today? I'm great. Doing good. Diggy, everything good with you? Yep, everything's great here at Zoom University at home. <laughs> it's true. It's true. A lot of Zoom stuff. So uh, obviously, the uh, where we are in our date in history is coronavirus uh, crazy, and um, yeah, it's been it's been challenging. It's it, I will say it's amazing how much you can do via virtual Zoom, and a lot of it I've been skeptical about, <clears throat> uh, but everything's pretty effective, you know. So, um, yeah. And then, um, you know, one of the hundred dollar questions is whether camp is going to actually happen this summer and we are hopeful. It's hard to understand what's going to happen tomorrow or next week. So we're still over three months away. Our jobs as camp professionals is to have the show go on. So, um, everybody loves camp and certainly in times like this, I think it would be great if we could do it. Um, Ronnie, do you have any uh, thoughts? I ordered new shirts. I'm planning on it. New shirts, yeah. How's the how's the quarantine been? You've been working from your house. I'm working from my house. Um, I, I live in a house with a lot of people, and we've got more people moving in, and um, we've got yet more people coming to stay with us. So it's been really busy, and it's snowing like crazy today. It's very surreal, um, but but I'm doing fine. Yeah, and Stiggy, you're home from uh, from school, obviously. Yeah, it's definitely a weird adjustment. I was supposed to have my first day back of classes today, so yeah, yeah. So yeah, uh, so we're logged on this morning to an online class and have some more tomorrow. So yeah, yeah. Ethan, Ethan's doing the same thing. He uh, he had spring break last week. Was supposed to go back today, and uh, his homeward bound, but doing you know Zoom classes also. So I just wanted to share a couple of things about the current state of where we are. One thing is. we got a great, uh, Ronnie and I are, you know, parts or camp in general is part of the American Camp Association umbrella, right? So the ACA is just a big, uh, amazing network that supports all the, all the camps. Um, and this gentleman, Tom Rosenberg, what, what is he? He's the CEO, Ronnie? He's the CEO of National ACA. Yep. So he wrote a fantastic email um, to us all, uh, uh, to our camp professionals. And I, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but there were certain excerpts that really uh, rang true for me and, and uh, hit home. Uh, the first point of, of, of note is that camp is a beacon in the storm. So people look to summer camps for fun, for inspiration, and for you know times like this, they want to know you know that, 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 there's, that there's a light at the end of the tunnel. So I, I love that aspect of uh, who we are and what we represent. Uh, 
and then hopefully over the next week or so too, we're going to kick off some virtual games and uh, chat rooms and things like that. Uh, and I'll talk about more about that in a moment. The other the other piece is staying positive and keep planning for the summer, which we're doing. We actually have an admin call tonight to talk about some pre-camp staff training items and um, some programming things that we wanted to do. So that's happening. Um, the, the line he puts, Tom Rosenberg says, while we can't predict the future, there's currently no reason to believe with certainty that camp won't happen this summer. So we want to practice patience, hope, and planning. Um, he also goes on to talk about over the decades, camps have confidently and flexibly, flexibly dealt with communicable diseases, earthquakes, wildfires, and more. Uh, and we do this with careful planning, best practices, and crisis management. So, um, you know, camps are certainly have gone through crazy things before. Um, Ronnie, have you ever had crises in your uh, your years, your 20 years at Jewelry? We've had illness. We, we've had illness. Um, fortunately, that's all. Um, and we've managed it. And we've managed it and we stayed safe and it was okay. I have to say, Ken, didn't we, wasn't Tom in our Ellie group also? I don't think he, I don't think he was in Ellie. No, okay. I did some, his, Tom is this guy. And um, it's not just talk for Tom. I know him quite well. It's, yeah. and it's pretty inspirational. And, and that, that's the word I would use. I mean, we got, we've, uh, we've had many communications and, you know, of course I, I understand the dire, you know, situation that we're all in. And then when I got his email, I was like, Oh, it just, it just felt so good to, to hear somebody saying yeah. something positive. And like I said, camps are certainly <laughs> the, the positive uh, vibe that everybody's looking for. And, and he closes, I'll just, uh, I won't you know, go too much. He talks about um, a quote by Albert Camus, I don't know if I'm saying that right. And he says, in the midst of winter, I found there was within me an invincible summer. So right. optimism and community and those things carry him through the rest of his year. Certainly true for me. I know the rest of our camp community is uh, pretty passionate about the place. So hopefully that'll uh, inspire people to, to move forward a little bit. One final thing. I see we have a couple other people joining and we'll figure out who's on the line in a moment. The other thing was, oh, this morning I was invited to Sam Kaplan's Bar Mitzvah. So they did it online. They did it via Zoom. And again, the, the power of these video calls are amazing. So I logged on thinking like, oh my God, it's kind of goofy. Like, are we really going to do this? And I have to tell you, it was so incredibly nice. There were over 120 people logged on. Um, they, you know, Sam did an amazing job. You could see him clearly. You could hear him clearly. The rabbi, the cantor, everybody was in the remote locations, but it was incredible. And um, then he, you know, he did he, he did his speech, and then his parents spoke, and then at the end they opened it up, and like anybody who wanted to say something could say something, and people were, um, you know, complimenting him and talking about how special it was. And it, I mean, I felt like. I felt like I was part of something so incredible and right from my, my room here, it was, it was amazing. So thank you to the Kaplan family and congratulations to them. And um, hopefully everybody's uh, willing to try things online and virtually and, you know, hopefully we'll all get through this together. That's my soapbox. Is that exciting, Ronnie? What do you think? Always exciting. Better in person, but not bad. I'm going to introduce our guests for this first segment a little bit more detail. It was great um, when I I had I had an idea for a controversy that was a clear one from last year, 2019. But then I was like, oh, I wonder if anybody has anything from the 70s or 80s, which was sort of my generation and guys I knew. And I'm on a bunch of text chains. So I sent a text message out and I said, hey, are there any controversies you guys can think about or that are st st uh, still talked about? 
And uh, immediately, uh, I think I got this David Bamel uh, issue from a, basket, a basketball game in 1979. So, uh, so David, thank you for joining us. We're going to dig into it. So, David, what, what years were you at camp? I was at a voter from 1968 to 1982, I guess. Uh, but I was color war general in 1979 for the White Warriors, the victorious White Warriors, I should add. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. That's great. And Lou, Dennis, Lou, you've joined us on the podcast before. Thanks for chiming in today. You're welcome. How's everything going? How's your family? Everybody good? Everybody's good. Everybody's self-quarantining here, so we're all good. All right, so let's talk about, uh, so 1979, and what, what, were your, what was your position at camp, David? Do you remember, like, what your role I was? I was, uh, um, yeah, I think I was, a bunk, I was a senior counselor, I think maybe bunk 13 that year. As you go through the ranks, you become eventually become color war general. Well, Lou, you didn't because you couldn't handle it, but you know others others do. So anyway, <laughs> I, I was head judge extraordinaire, so I couldn't do it. Exactly, exactly. But uh, so that was in that year. We, that was the uh, senior basketball game. Uh, I don't remember which of my lieutenants um, was handling the seniors that year, but I went down to watch the senior basketball game, and I recall, you know, listen, it's been 41 years since then, and Believe it or not, Lou and I are still friends all these years later. Um, and he's still crying about the call. And I'm, st- and I'm still crying about the call. But I was right, of course. Uh, Lou and Gary Epstein, Troops, was were the co-referees of that game. Uh, but we couldn't invite Troops on because he would just be a crybaby the whole time today. So there was a play towards the end of the game. I can't remember all the details, but the blue team was taking a free throw. There was an air ball. And... One of the blue players caught the ball, you know, the air ball, and then put up a field goal for two points. So I immediately shouted out to Lou and Gary. I said, guys, that's a dead ball. You can't do that. You can't give them that play. It's a dead ball. It's our ball underneath the basket. So Lou and Gary uh, refused, and the, the game continued. And I, of course, immediately put the game under protest. Uh, so, we ended up losing. Let me stop you there for a sec, David. So Lou, Lou what was your, just to, up to this point, what was your take on the situation? It was almost an air ball, but it hit the bottom of the rim. So when it hits the bottom of the rim, it becomes a live ball. So according to the two NBA certified refs, the ball was in play after it hit the rim. Okay, uh, Anyway, so anyway, I, I, I protested. And uh, it, as part of my, my protest appeal, because it was, in fact, an air ball, uh, I made an appeal and I had an incredible piece of evidence to support my appeal. Uh, back then, that was long before Al Gore had invented the internet. We didn't have smartphones or internet or Google. Uh, I was a subscriber to a weekly sporting magazine called The Sporting News. And in the summertime, I had it sent to me at camp. And in that, coincidentally, they had a section in the paper that they called something like, you know, ask the ref. In complete coincidence, that very week, they had that exact question about an air ball being thrown up. And the, of course, the answer is it's a dead ball. Otherwise, players, players shooting a free throw would just pass it directly to one of, one of his own guys right next to him. So an air ball is a dead ball. But as part of my evidence, I actually presented the article at my, um, my protest hearing. And nevertheless, I was still overruled. And it was just unbelievable. But Because one, it didn't matter because it hit the rim. And two, you were appealing to the two referees slash head judges of the... Well, you, yes, the, the, red, the head judges who had it out for me from the beginning. Yes, we they, want, they wanted Mitch Rubin to win. <laughs> so anyway, it was a terrible controversy. But Ken, we, so Lou and Gary, we've, we've, we've been, uh, been great friends for, well, since 41 years since then. And uh, every now and then the topic comes up. Thanks to our voter friendship and camaraderie, we have a great laugh about it. Uh, from time to time. So it's really, uh, it was very exciting. There was another controversy in that color war. That was the tug of war rope controversy. That didn't involve Lou and Gary. 
but it might have involved me. And, uh, <laughs> it certainly did. <laughs> so same, same color war, right? Same color war. Same and you color did. war. So, yeah, so the players that I had picked on my team were kind of all the, you know, like Steven Rosenberg, the smaller athletic kids. And Mitch's team were kind of the bigger, heavier, stockier kids. Even, even a couple of the juniors were, were big kids. So when I was huddling with my, my lieutenants, I knew, I realized that one of the things that we had no chance of winning was the tug of war during the track and field day. So I may or may not have directed one of my lieutenants to make the tug of war rope disappear. And then, so that lieutenant did a, did a good job. And then on the, on the day of the tug of war, uh, Lou, I think you were the athletic director, right? So I think you actually came out and said, hey, the tug of war rope is missing. I was just like, I don't, I don't know. And then so, but leave it to Paul Davis. Paul was going to have none of that. And Paul decided to call the Middleborough Fire Department. Fire Department. Yes, he called the Middleborough Fire Department. He borrowed a rope from them. And of course, the tug of war did take place. And we lost the tug of war as we knew we would. And it was, it was, it was discovered on move out day. Remember the kids used to keep their trunks in a trunk house back then before we, we used double bags and stuff. Yeah. So on move out day, some kid in bunk four found a tug of war rope in his trunk on move out day. <laughs> now, now after hearing after hearing that story, who do you invite <laughs> in the basketball controversy? Right, right. Well, I definitely definitely praise uh, Dave for his uh, his candor and his honesty. So that's good. And I'm hoping that well, my, I, and I'm hoping that my listeners I, my listeners out there today are not going to get any ideas from doing that. <laughs> Well, I'm available for I'm available for advice and coaching and guidance for color for future color war generals just to give them you know some some ideas. Color war consultation uh, rates apply. <laughs> Colorwarconsultation.com. Exactly. Flash songwriting. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, and I love the fact that you said that you point out that Paul Davis was resourceful, right? So again, as, as camp directors, there, there's no, there's no, there's no playbook. And so weird things happen throughout the summer. And as professionals and adults, you, you gain experience and you figure it out. Um, so that's amazing that he had the, 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 you know, the foresight to call up and get a replacement rope and that the thing still happened anyway. The show, exactly. The show must go on. I love it. Exactly. He was having none of that. <laughs> By the way, just a little off topic. I hear Dave Yaz is an excellent songwriter for Color War. Really? Wow, that that is some deep information. Yes, <laughs> my my strange songwriting abilities may or may not have had an influence on Color War at the West End House Camp. Yes, the rumor the rumor was circulating. Oh, excellent! Wow, my reputation precedes me. Thank you. <laughs> wow. Ken, sorry for mentioning another camp on the podcast. I don't mind. We love we love the guys at West End House. Uh, you know, Camp Avoda is uh, you know uh, a special place, and we like to help other camps, and and uh, we all collaborate. And as Ronnie Saltzman Gutten, our director, always wisely says, there are plenty of campers for all camps, and we want to make sure as many kids as possible are getting that amazing experience. Oh, that's awesome. That's great. And so uh, and so, David in. Uh, in 1979, so the Warriors ended up beating the Cyclones, right? Despite the outcome yeah, of the yeah. game. Oh yeah, the, yes. And Mitch Rubin was the general of uh, the Cyclones. He wasn't very happy. He actually, uh, after we had had come up from the lake, after all jumping in the lake, uh, Mitch was out in front of Paul Davis's cabin. He actually took one of those red, remember those red chairs? They were kind of like that red cedar strapping chairs. And had yeah. uh, it on deck. Yeah, he took he picked up one of those chairs and he actually threw it against the the side of Paul's cabin, uh, narrowly missing the window. Mitch was uh, 
a little bit a little bit disappointed that he lost Collarwood that year. So, but I think he's gotten over it now. Although I haven't got, I haven't gotten over Lou and Gary's wrong call. <laughs> And uh, so a couple of follow-up questions. So are you still in touch with Mitch Rubin? You're asking me, right? I think just on Facebook. I think he lives in New York or something. I don't know. Oh, okay. Right. All right. That's good. How about you, Lou? Do you talk to him ever? I don't. All right. Cool. Well, Who, um, he was my year. He, he was in my bunk 14 and 75. Lou, you would have been, he was behind you. Yeah. Right. Um, that's cool. That's good. Those are great, great stories. And um, yeah, it's amazing to me that, uh, you know, and I always tell people that's, you know, we're, we're always trying to, you know, Ronnie and I are always trying to figure out what makes our camp different from others. And the, the, the history and these alumni stories um, get to me every time. And, and it's, and it just reinforces how special Avoda is and the things, the things that we do at camp. Um, and how important they are to us, you know, as, as Mike Ross always calls it, the, the passion that is Avoda. So when I get my current staff members and uh, we're in a heated battle about something, I always try to remind them that it's positive because everybody cares so deeply about the place and so deeply about the team that they're coaching. And they care so much about, about pride and winning and all these amazing things that camp teaches. And here we are 40 years later still talking about this, this basketball game and it just, uh, it, it, it warms my heart. So uh, I really appreciate you guys sharing the stories. One quick aside for you, just of Kalawa controversy, because it's basically a Kalawa controversy every year. But my brother was involved in one, I believe it was 1966. And it did literally cost Kalawa. He was in a senior softball game and he hit a home run to win the game. And as his rounding home plate, the umpire had called him out for throwing his bat. And his team lost Calawar by, I think, under 20 points. And they pointed that to the reason they lost Calawar. What, what, what was the infraction, that he threw his bat? He threw his bat after he hit a home run. His team was playing Robbie Copel's team. And they still talk about it whenever they see each other. <laughs> Amazing. And then I see some of, my yeah. current, some of the current staff are on the line. I don't know if anybody remembers this, but about three or four years ago, uh, Danny Blumenstein uh, was uh, up at bat and he hit a home run in a senior softball game during color war, uh, rounded the bases. And one of the coaches, you know, gave him a high five. So Max, can you tell us about it? So he rounds the bases, right? Yeah, happy to. He hits a bomb over the bunk. Great home run, rounds third. Being the captain that I was of the apes, I was giving him a high five for encouragement. It was a little momentum shift. And uh, yeah, apparently that's illegal. And then there was a whole, there was a whole challenge. And yeah. Shouldn't have high-fived him. Yeah, I, I remember that far too well too. It was a it was a big and big infractment. It um really really affected the with that Max. Exit loves to make his uh, impact on games. Yeah, it it really affected the outcome of the uh, softball game. So it was it was definitely was definitely big. an out. That was softball. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for taking time out of your day and for sharing these awesome stories and. Uh, if other people out there listening have controversies that they want to talk about, send me an email, give me a call, and we'll get you on the air because the, uh, the, the stories are awesome. That's awesome. Happy to participate. Thanks, Ken, for doing this. Yeah, of course, Lou. Thanks so much. Okay, Ken. Glad to be here. Thank you. So, uh, Ronnie, thanks as far as uh, this podcast goes. Uh, another one in the books and uh, looking forward to uh, seeing what the next few weeks brings and keeping everybody together. So, Signing off from the virtual shores of Tispaquin, this is the big Avoda world.